Welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode is a little bit different. We did a Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So from here on in, make sure you have subscribed, liked our Facebook and YouTube to get notifications. We'll do this probably on a Tuesday or Wednesday night each week. We basically just went through all the talking points of last round. Also spoke about Origin. We spoke about some of the player decisions and being basically a bit stupid at this time of year. Uh, and obviously with Origin just around the corner next week, we spoke about uh, the lineups, what we thought about them, any changes we would have made. But enjoy the episode. As I said, make sure you do like, subscribe to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just to get notifications when we do these live events. Thank you. Alrighty, guys, welcome back. A new and improved League of Inches, trying something new uh, for all the viewers out there. We're going to be doing a Facebook Live event. Obviously, gives a chance for some people to jump on here, uh, watch, see what the um, the gossip is, ask questions as they go. We'll keep people up to date with that as well. So. Um, just wanted to quickly make sure we're going good with Facebook. And we're good. I, I checked it. We're good. Yep, sweet as. All righty. I want to start off positive, guys. I'm feeling good this weekend. And one thing I want to I want to say is the, the Mighty West Tigers. It's been a quick rebuild. Uh, they've been talking about it since Sheens and Robbie Farrow, Benji Marshall all came in. Adam, I'll go to you first. Where's it all turned around for the West Tigers? This is time. Um, they probably just need a bit of time. Like, obviously, when you bring a new coach in, and this is one of my biggest criticisms about sacking coaches and making changes, is it takes so much to get that structure and what the coach wants to play. Um, look, obviously, as coaches as well, they had to find what they wanted to achieve. Um, and it's easy to say, all right, Tim Sheens has been there, he's done it before, but the game's changed so much in that time. So he really had to find the balance of what he wanted, uh, find out what works in this modern day, and he has done that. And Look, if you look back at the Tigers' results, there's probably two or three games they should have won. Um, we have only really taken one smashing to Brisbane, which they weren't in the game. Besides that, you know, they should have beat Parramatta, um, really. They should have beat Manly, uh, and they probably should have beat the Bulldogs as well. So if you look at those games, you had three wins to their total, um, much like a couple of other teams that are down that end of the ladder. But you had three wins to their total, and they're sitting on 14 points, and they're sitting equal six. So, you know, they haven't really been smashed. They're four and against now sits at minus 42 after, you know, a pretty thumping win. And, yeah, I think this time they finally clicked together what they wanted. They've got some good young kids coming through as well. Um, their back line's made up of good young stars and a bit of experience there. And, look, their forward pack works hard, and obviously Appy just, you know, Appy's starting to settle in as well. Yeah, Appy's starting to have his way with the team. You feel like they're starting to play like a – a mini Penrith Panthers in a way um, with what they were doing the last couple of years. Matty, what are you liking from the West Tigers? Yeah, I, I'm liking the fullback. To me, it's got when Brian Smith was sacked and JT took over at Eels and brought Hain in. Um, they've, this kid's a gun. Like He just carved up the other night. They're little set plays. Crazy in inside, outside, back inside, play they did to score from. Um, yeah, just it's all clicking. So at the right time as well. So they they could go on a little bit of a run here, guys. Yeah, I feel like it could and I hate to say I hate to say he's actually done something proven himself right, but Gus Gord said this the other week on 100 percent footy. He said the West Tigers are about to make a run, keep an eye on them, uh, and they're doing just that. And uh, Jerome Buller, for mine, sums up the West Tigers at the moment and, and how they're actually playing and how he's playing. He's been sensational. I'll go back to that magic round performance against the Dragons where right at the end uh, they had a chance to win it and he made, I think, three tackles in a row in the last three plays and really just personified the West Tigers at the moment. There's a lot of talk, a lot of noise early on from um, outside the media, things like that about the Tigers and it's clearly not working, but... I think we've seen now that they've got the right sort of foundations in play. And uh, I say that in terms of Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, Robbie Farrar. You, you see Benji a lot more hands-on now. He's walking around with the clipboard, things like that. Tim Sheens is there for two years, but could you see that possibly getting fast-tracked, Adam? 
I think it's it doesn't really matter who they've got listed as a coach. I think as you look at the game, you see Benji's one with the headsets barking the instructions down there from pretty much day one. So look, I think he'll slowly work his way into being in control. I think that was always the plan anyway um, for him to be there. I had some doubts over the way they did it, um, appointing him and saying he will be in charge in a couple of years because if let's say they had a shocking season, they lost every game, which it looked like they could have done there for a while, would you have stuck with your coach? You know, Then would you have stuck with your assistant coach? It was a bit of a hard one. So, look, you can definitely see the team machine stamp on the team. But the way they're starting to flick the ball around and play some bit of – it's entertaining footy, let's be honest. Um, you can see Benji all over that. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it just kind of happens along the way and it's not official, but by what I can see, it looks like Benji has a pretty dominant hand in what's going on there. Uh, look, it wouldn't be a West Tigers little talking point if we didn't bring up a certain number seven, Luke Brooks. Uh, it's obviously going quite well at the moment. Really happy for the bloke, especially on the weekend. I think he played a steadying hand, which is exactly the sort of hand and style of player he needs to play. Maddie, do you feel – I know there's been rumours now they're looking to extend it. I feel like in a way it's because they haven't been able to get any of their other targets that have been public about trying to, to get. So it might be the – the best um, of the rest scenario, but is this a a marriage that can, should continue to happen? Or I don't know. For mine, I felt like it's needed to part ways for a while now for both parties to benefit. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Brooksy needs a change. I think both need a change, but I think they'll just give it how the rest of the year goes. Like um, there's a few few young players I know they're targeting for the junior ranks. Um, I think one of ours is, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Brooksy have been for a while. Um, I feel like you get some, some pretty harsh comments. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he needs a change and they'll give, they'll see how he goes at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, you can see the Benji influences coming. It's gone. Hold that thought. He's gone. Um, yeah, he's we, saw, yeah. we saw that. Yeah, we we saw that little little parts where the they were arguing backstage and and the coaches box Sheens and Benji. So yeah, I think I think Benji will be a good influence on him. Yeah, and what about the, the five eight? And we've seen a, a little comment, comment pop up there, one of yours, Troy, about Trusa. But I want to talk about Wakem first because he's come from the clouds. He wasn't even. Anyway, near first grade last year at the Dogs, he was in playing reserve grade and he's come over. I think he basically had no contracts there for for a while throughout the off season. Brennan Wakeham, he's he's been um, really just out there as one of their best players so far. I just want to touch on before you do that on Luke Brooks quickly um, because there's so much criticism on halves. People forget how young they are when they come through. He's 29 this year, so he's actually in the, you know what they call the twilight years and probably where he should be playing his most mature football. Um, I don't think he's had a bad game since he copped that criticism, which was a week, of course, before he played Parramatta. Um, I thought he was excellent that game. I think he's gone all with a sin. So we see players mature as they get to that 28, 29, 30, 31. And look, look at Sean Johnson now. Like Sean Johnson's over there playing without stress in his football and he's absolutely killing it. So I think the Tigers should stay with him. They've stuck with him his whole career. So now's the time they're going to start to reap the benefits. Um, on Brendan Wakeham, I think he's a player that has always had that ability to run the ball and do those freaky kind of things. But I think, as I touched on before, the structure of what the Tigers and the players they're running are actually suiting his game to a tee. Yeah, I agree. With, with the, the Josh Schuster rumour going to the Tigers, I, I posted today about the fact that he's – Party was was pitching with the the West Tigers party having a, a dinner and, and talking obviously about the possible signing. I think I've been I've I've heard and I've read that Manly and the West Tigers have also had a chat about this. So you know how rugby league works. One day it's red hot and it looks like it could happen. The next day it might not. You never know with this these kinds of things. Do you think it's a good matchup, Maddie? Um, the choose to the Tigers. Um, no. I, I'll I'd stick with Wakeham and um, like the writing was on the wall. Obviously, they went for Moses and then got Wakeham because they knew they weren't going to get Moses. But yeah, that's the problem we see in football a lot: the too many halves combinations. Like, yeah, Schuster killed it against 
Um, Canberra on the weekend, I think he got like a try and nearly every try assist. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening um, unless obviously he, the Benji can work with him on his game a bit more. But yeah, I, I'd stick with the halves they got now. I think it's a danger, especially if they keep Brooks. I don't think he's the 5'8 to complement Brooks's game no. moving forward. So it's an I, interesting one. I think Manly got rocks in the head if they let him go because just watching Manly over the last couple of weeks before last week when they had the combination of Taylor Chair Evans and Cooper Johns, without Turbo being in his best form and running free because we know he's obviously carrying something or just adapting to whatever it is he needs to adapt to, they're a boring, predictable team. I watched that Magic Round. It was the most boring game football I've watched in a long time. Adding Schuster in there gives him that bit of razzle, that bit of spark, and lets daily concentrate on his kicking and his structure. And it brings Tommy back in the game because all of a sudden teams have to watch their backline move with Schuster not knowing what he's going to do. So if Manly were to let him go, I think that would be a bad decision by them. Yeah, no, I agree with that one. Look, guys, while you're watching, if you feel free to drop a comment in as well. Um, we'll get to it either on the spot or as we go with the broadcast. I'll post it up and, and go from that one. Next talking point I want to talk about, and I want to stay on this positive mind frame I've got at the moment. It doesn't happen very often, so let's embrace it. Um, your team to beat. Uh, ask you boys to do a little bit of homework. Going to be interesting what you come up with here because there's a few teams starting to sort of poke their neck out, but a few that's had a shock loss or two over the last few weeks. So, Maddie, who you got here is your team to beat. I'm going to go Panthers. I think they're going to start... They're back on top. Um, they had a little, few little hiccups, but yeah, for mine, I don't know how they got to the top again. Like they were just at the bottom of the eight, and now they're on top after two games. So that just shows how the how the competition, how close it is. But I'm going to throw out there. I'm going to say Bulldogs. Um, I'm going to say win the comp. I'm going to say they might go on a bit of a run. Tavita Pangai Jr. comes back from origin confidence. Um, they might they might surprise a lot of people if they can string Ooh. some wins together over the next couple of weeks. Look, yeah. That's a, they're, that's get, a... they're getting all their players back, and it's, it's starting to look – that game against Titans looked scary in that last couple of minutes. I didn't ask uh, for a bold prediction, but that is bloody bold. <laughs> so, Adam, what do you got? Yeah, I think this one, George Laura Drake. No, I'm just joking. No, <laughs> um, for, for me, it was pretty obvious up until last week. I thought South Sydney were the team to beat. I've been saying that to everyone. Um, I thought they were in the best form, consistently playing the hardest games and consistently improving every week. But based on last week, they got manhandled by Parramatta and they got manhandled through the middle um, and actually dominated the forward pack. And any team that can dominate a team through their forward pack and let their halves play is a team to watch. For me, look, it's a hard one because you look from first to 15th and there's three wins separating first to 15th. There's five teams on 16 points and there's another three teams on 14 points and then obviously trifles down. Um, if you want me to put a line through someone, I'm putting a line through the Roosters. Um, but it's hard to go past Penrith, as Matt said, just given they've been there before, saying that it's very hard to win three comps in a row. I don't think Brisbane have done enough. I'm going to say Cronulla. Um, I think they'll learn a lot from last year and take a bit of experience out of what happened last year. But, look, I don't want to seem biased, but if Parramatta continue the way they played, they're going to go on a bit of run as well um, because they see how Sydney were my team to beat and they absolutely manhandle them. Yeah, Maddie, can you just get back to the viewers quickly? Have you been, in fact, on the drink this afternoon? Uh, no, unfortunately, only Coke Zero. But drink West if you're going to drink responsibility. He's not even, he's not, he's not even a sugar high on the Zero. I can't, yeah, exactly. So, no, I was just throwing it out there. A little bold. I um, I somewhat agree with Dave, uh, what he's saying. That's the old man. Um, South, I do like them. I think they may be excused for an off night against us, but I feel like Parramatta actually made them play that way as well, keeping the ball in play and targeting with the kicking game was exceptional. So that was a great job by Parramatta, easily their best game of the year. 
Uh, I feel like I'm with Adam here with with Penrith Panthers. I feel like just defence wins your comps. Unfortunately, we've seen that the last couple of years as well by Penrith, but they're just so good. They've got the nucleus of that team still together, the main sort of players there, the Clearies, the Luais, they're all there. Um, I just feel like they're going to build uh, to the right time of year this time and really looking forward to the back half because I do think there's some teams that are going to come out of the woodwork and make some runs. We normally see this origin time some of the big players will come back to the pack during this next few week period, but then afterwards they go back and continue to sort of go out in front and we go, oh, crap, we, we forgot about that team. And that might be a South Sydney, but they've only really lost so far. Obviously, Latrell's their main one. Uh, then you've got Cam Murray and, and Jairo as well, um, which is big losses. But the Broncos could be one team that fall quite a bit in this period and this run of, of games. So they're definitely one to watch. Um, I don't think it's necessarily panic stations. I know we love that word at the moment, but um, over the next few weeks, you can probably see them go hovering around that sort of bottom eight side of things. I, know I, asked, I didn't ask you for these questions, but is there a team other than the Broncos that you feel like could be that team that slips at the moment next probably five, six-week period? Look, obviously, Pender, for the amount of players they've got in origin, you think would have to slip. Um, I haven't really looked who they play during those. I know they got the buy this week. Don't they get um, the buy every every origin game like the last two years? Or get, Yeah, well, there you go. But see, this players have still got to back up after origin as well. So yeah. you think Pender, I know they got the job done a couple of times last year um, when they needed to, but you think they'd have to fall. It, it really just opens it up, and I think it's just going to make the competition even closer. Um, like you said, you see those teams at the bottom of the eight on the cusp of the eight there, if they're not affected, picking up, you know, wins. Let's say Penrith, South Sydney, Cronulla and Brisbane and Melbourne who are affected drop games. It, you could have a situation soon where nearly everyone's within one win of each other from first to 10. So very interesting to watch that part of it. Yeah. Uh, Matty, sorry, got a team in mind? Yeah, I think the Dolphins, eh? I just, I don't know. I just get the feeling that they've had their little run um, of, I think they'll drop out of the eight. Yeah, I know they had a bit of that comeback in that second half there, which they've done a lot this year. But I was, I've been a massive Dolphins fan so far, but I feel like that first half last week sort of was a bit of an eye-opener in terms of the Dolphins. And is that bubble bursting a little bit uh, for, for the remainder of the year? It's a long season ahead. Um, as we've seen here as well, the buyers and when teams get it uh, is an interesting point as well. I know there's some teams out there that are looking at possibly having their second buy this weekend and there's still some teams out there that haven't even had their first buy like Paris. So um, it's definitely an interesting way they make up of the draw. It doesn't seem too fair. There's probably two sides of the argument there. You could either be happy to have three buyers for your run home and keep fresh. Uh, or you might have wanted one a little bit early to just get the cobwebs out, have a have a rest, talk about what needs to be done, um, and go, go to from Bali. There. Yeah, go go to Bali, go on a holiday. Uh, I'll say to you boys, being para fans, are you happy with the buyer schedule for say the Eels? I know they're one of the teams that haven't had one yet. Do you think it we would got- have suited the team to have one a bit earlier than they will? See, I, I'd rather the games we're playing over origin period, I'd rather not have their buys then. Um, I think having the buy in the last round is majorly helpful as well for any position to make the eight because we get that rest. We usually see us rest players um, going into that last game if we can. But if you look who Paramount play through origin, they play um, North Queensland this week without obviously three of their players, their halfback, their centre and uh, their lock. They're then going to play a Manly Seagulls team without their halfback, fullback and someone else. And I think the game after we may have the ball. No, we play the Warriors, so it's not really that majorly affected there. But when you only lose one person, I'd rather have you buys when everyone's full strength. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that one. Let's move on to another talking point that I've got for us, and that is player stupidity, which a lot can fall under this category, especially this weekend. I feel like we had a weekend where players were sort of all over the shop mentally. Some were thinking about state of origin, some weren't, some didn't give an absolute rats about anything. Uh, there's a few points I know that Adam wants to bring up, so I'm going to go to him first. He's, I'm sure, ready to rip in. Uh, I spoke about the other week about refereeing consistency and, look, 
to me, the NRL referees, they missed um, two clear send-offs on the weekend. Um, and that's the most frustrating thing. They're talking about all the player stuff and cracking down on hip drops and crusher tackles and stuff, but the good old-fashioned send-off still needs to come in. Um, the Radley headbutt was a clear send-off. You can't headbutt a bloke. We had one up in the Newcastle comp the week before that was a send-off. Everyone knows that. It's a clear send-off. It was a deliberate headbutt. And the Kafusi one, look, if that happened in 15 minutes ago, it would have been off. I know he got sin bin for it, but that was a clear send-off. Once again, he had the option to pull out of that tackle. He came in with a swinging arm and attacked a player in the head. It's, it's just frustrating um, because you see these things happen and then, look, it wasn't either of my teams, so it really didn't affect my opinion on it. But I don't like Kafusi. I don't like some of the stuff he's got away with over the years and he continues to get away. I know he's been suspended for three or four weeks, whatever it was, but he should have been off the field. And, look, that could affect the team come the end of the year. It, the Dolphins could have lost that game by 40 or 50 with one player out, which four against could come into it. So someone's season could be ruined by that poor decision. Yeah, I completely agree with that one. And it's a, I feel like, especially for both of these players, we've had this conversation over and over again. They just don't seem to learn. Um, Kafusi, especially, I know he's just hard to, to grasp. You're literally on the edge of playing State of Origin. You would have been one of the first forwards picked uh, for how your, your season's gone. And he just came out of nowhere to do that shot. There was no need to do that at all. Um, even Radley, with the forward, de- actually, he's, he's pledged his allegiance to England, so there's no, he can't play for New South Wales anyway. Uh, but, Maddie, what are you thinking of this at the moment, especially the two issues <sighs> we're talking about? Yeah, well, Kafusi's had his injury, like his history with stuff, just hitting players after passing in the head. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I think even like the Tino one, I think there was a bit of, bit of uproar about Tino to read how he looked at him and then elbowed him in the face. Um, but if you do that as a tackling player, it's a automatic thing, but just, just, they know they're going to get, they know, <laughs> they know they're going to get penalized and suspended and stuff like that. But like, he, they can pull out of stuff like that. Like it's not needed. Like we've seen accidental ones where they've hit him like here and yeah. it's been like head I tackle on report. And it's like, but a guy just got codanged to the face and he's not even penalized or nothing. So yeah, we just they're just brain explosions and too many players have them these days and it's gonna cost someone like um like Alex back in the day, like with the Jordan McLean spear tackle, Alex yeah. McKinnon stuff. Like it's like I don't know. The thing that pisses me off the most is in 2021, the season was pretty much ruined by a crackdown on high shots. Um, and now I've just gone away from it, ignoring it. Like the game did so much back then. And like it has with the hip drop, we thought, how are they going to get rid of this out of the game? Like accidents happen and stuff. But you watch the play. And I'll give Nathan Brown as an example. Over the weeks, he slowly worked out how to tackle where he had to hit. And the contact becomes so much more solid. It was like the olden days. The contact was so much better. There was wrestling in the game. It was so good. But all of a sudden, they've just ignored it. Now it's sneaking back in the game. If one thing needs to sneak back in the game, let's let them fight again. Yeah, basically. I think Finn Diesel, um, as he likes to be known as now, he had a brain fade, had a brain fire. He was just looking for blood that whole game. You could see it as soon as he walked on the field, he just had that look in his eye where he wanted to flog someone. And I think he said in the, uh, an interview before that game that, Welch was the man he wanted to go yeah. after. Um, he said it on Heidi Fletch, and I think he's actually meant that. And he's gone out and he's got him all right, but it's cost him a state of origin spot and maybe well, for two games. Depending now, on now Adam's having technical difficulties again. No, he's it got just his, locks, he's it just got locks his, my screen for some reason. I need to remember to move my mouse every so often. I'll, I'll go to, to this one first. So obviously we've got another incident over the weekend, that um, the Lua incident, obviously pushing... The touch judge, uh, he lo- looks like out of the way and then he realises what he, he's done and he's shat himself and gone, oops, state of origins next week. I yeah. can't be doing that. So, Matty. He claimed it was a – he thought it was a Broncos player. Like, they weren't even wearing come that Come on, jersey. man. Come on. If he if it wasn't origin week, he'd be suspended, surely. Like, if he didn't play for Penrith, he'd be suspended. Like, it, it's just stupid to do. Like – 
just I know I know what Adam's gonna say because we know Adam loves Jerome. Like he's like to see him in the streets here in Penrith, like you can sit and have a chat, but just the shit he does on the field, like wow, he needs to stop. I I just I don't and I don't think fans like the fact that if it was if it wasn't origin right now, he would have a suspension definitely, at least a week. Um I remember the crackdown a couple of years ago when you weren't even allowed to ask the referee something and touch him in the process. So it's well, quite, quite funny. Didn't Thurston get a week or something for yeah, yeah. or something? Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If it was Jake Tavoyevich, the nicest bloke in rugby league, would we be talking about it or would we see it as an accident? Just oh, an accident. I, just an accident. But it's the way it happened, but. I, I don't believe Jake, it was Jake couldn't be pushing him. I think he looked at him um, and obviously did it. But, look, it was he turned around and apologised straight away. I don't like Luai. I hate the bloke. I don't know what he's like off the field. But on the field, I think he's a grub and a cocky motherfucker. But sorry for the language. But for me... Yeah, all right, let it out. He um, Mistakes happen. Players make mistakes on the field. Players do silly things. So for him to turn around and apologise straight away, I'm happy with the slap and with the fine. Um, and look, I said if it was someone else, we probably wouldn't even be talking about it. We would have been happy with that. Look, we, we touched on this one last week. Uh, I know we haven't been happy with a lot of the officiating lately, and I think once again over the weekend, we've just seen it slowly getting worse. But let's touch on it again now while uh, we are a Facebook Live first one, so a bit more viewers probably watching these videos. Um, our, my thoughts at the moment on the refereeing is the fact that it's controlled way too much by the bunker. That's my concern at the moment. The referees can't actually referee the game. They're not actually doing what they're employed to do. It's basically they're there as like a robot and they do as the bunker is basically telling them to do. That's why they spend half the game touching their earlobe. So um, I'm really concerned about that factor of it. I feel like they're taking away the referees' profession really what they're actually good at and what they can do and they've shown in the past they can do it um i don't know you had a lot to say about this last week have after the weekend as well a few more incidences where are you at at the moment with the refs just inconsistencies um look i never thought i these words come out of my mouth but i know it's because it probably seems like because we won the game but i thought the best referee game on the weekend was actually actually client um i've been bagging him out for weeks and thought he was terrible but the reason that was the best refereed game was because he didn't make the game about himself. He didn't make himself the centrepiece. Look, we ended up with a 6-1 penalty count, but three or four of those penalties were in the last five minutes. There was only one six again. There was only two bunker interventions, um, one for overruling a dropout, which actually got wrong, and the other one was for a no-try that, you know, frequently not going to be able to see. He's ruled a try. But, yeah, look, the bunker, I think the bunker should be ruling on the tries um, really, or they should be ruling on everything. It's as simple as that because there's nothing more frustrating as a fan than seeing something go wrong and your team not challenging them going, well, why didn't they just step in and get that wrong? Because as fans, we understand that things are going to happen in the game. Mistakes are going to be made. But when you see one thing, like they turn around, they say, let's change this. It's not a dropout. It's now a 20 meter restart. All right. But then you see something else happen, which is a clear strip or, clear knock on and no one's challenged it and three blokes on the field have missed it, the bunker should be stepping in there if it's a stoppage. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, Matty, is it getting harder to watch? Yeah. Well, perfect example was the Brisbane Panthers game. Brisbane scored off that bomb and he, he caught it a try, went up to the bunker, showed Walsh actually took out the Penrith player and then the bunker actually was going to award it and then the ref intervened and said, hang on, I don't like the look of that, play it again, and then overturned the actual bunker. So it was kind of weird one um, and we've seen those in the past given. Uh, what was There was another one that I saw where you watch it and you can hear when the player is going for a kick, you can hear the ref talking to the bunker about, oh, what's the penalty count? What's this? What's that? There was one where um, a couple of weeks ago, the South's Panthers game, you heard the ref saying to Isaiah, yo, um, it's Latrell left foot. He's going to go short grubber, uh, short kickoff. 
make sure Tago doesn't escort. And I'm like, are they refs or coaches? Like, yeah. is it scripted now or is he I telling him what's about to happen? Like, it's just getting too much where the ref is controlling it. It's like a WWE wrestling where the ref tells them the moves next. Like, no, it's, I it's hate not, that part of the I hate that part can of the hear game. It, but, like, you can literally hear him telling the players, oh, it's Luttrell, left foot, short kickoff. Like, he knows what foot he's going to kick with and everything. So, yeah, they need to be I, held accountable. I hate that that on-field coaching the refs do with a passion because the way I see it is, it's like, look at the scrums, for instance. They're literally counting down the whole time. They go 15, 10, 5, pack. There's a penalty there for a reason. If the teams know by now they've got to pack the scrum within 25 seconds or whatever it is. If they don't do it, they're penalised. So I don't know why the referees have this and need. the ref tells them, oh, it's okay, the timer's off. Like when yeah. it's about to go to zero, he's like, oh, it's okay, timer's off. Like it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is. Adam, where are you at with the final say here on, on the this whole situation? Which I feel like fans as a whole is just absolutely fed up with at the moment. And, and with our showpiece event about to hit the TV screens, I, like it's hard to find who the number one referee is at the moment. Yeah, like I said, there was a couple of young ones coming through. I thought were excellent until they started getting the higher end games. But to me, it might be time to go back to the two referees um, to clean up the game a little bit. We only went away from the one back to one referee due to COVID um, and due to obviously the availability for training and where the, the coaches lived in, sorry, the referees lived in stuff. So it might be time to go back to two um, just to keep an eye on the ruck. There's so much happening in the game and so much they're trying to enforce. I think it's too hard for one referee to handle. It's either that or we let the bunker be more involved in every decision, which is just going to frustrate every fan. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's they've quickly got to get in, into a room, I feel like, with some of the most powerful figures in the game. And just sort this all out, this mess, because it's, it seems to rear its head up every year uh, and it's getting more and more. Um, it seems like it's impacting games more and more as well. So I'll, I'll touch on one more thing, sorry, quickly before we go that. Just that what you're saying is coaching and the talking to the players. Half the time they're probably in their eyepiece, sorry, the earpiece, eyepiece, wow, earpiece talking to the touchies. Um, obviously, the communication there is pretty high for the referees. Someone who's been involved with referees, that's what they do do. So... A lot of time they'll be saying that might seem like they're talking to the players. And I know the players are going to hear it and obviously well, know what the go is, but a lot of the time we'll be touching the The most to. frustrating one for me is the hand on the ball. When the player comes up, he yells out, "Hand on the, get your hand off the ball. But then it's supposed to be a penalty. And then most of the time he penalises it saying, you had your hand on the ball. But you hear him yelling out to other players to get the hand off the ball as they're tackling. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting and it's, it's nice to see Jeff Tooby make an appearance on the show. There needs to be an investigation. There has to be an investigation. So one ref, we've missed those days. <laughs> um, not the one ref. We, we went to the two ref for a while. It feels like we almost need to go back to those days and it seemed to be easier um, than what it is at the moment, which is quite frustrating. But, boys, uh, we've only got about probably 15 minutes or so to go and I want to quickly talk on Origin. Obviously, the showpiece event, Team lineups have been released, and I'm just going to throw to both of you straight away here and toss up. Obviously, the head scratches from mine. Tavita Pengai Jr. is the clear one. I have absolutely no idea what Freddie and Brandy have done in a room together, but whatever they've lit up is powerful stuff um, on the on the Sunday night because I have continued to think about this over the last day, and I've read stuff about it. I can't get my head around the fact that uh, Tavita Panga Jr. is now a state of origin quality player. Well, let's be honest. It was Regan Campbell-Gillard's spot until he got injured. So they've obviously Jake's gone. Spot. Or Jake's. Jake's as well. Um, look, I know he probably hasn't been playing his best football, but I never thought I'd say this either. A lot of groundbreaking stuff tonight. But Safidi's been there before and probably could have got the job done. Um Jake, they said, he's carrying a calf injury. Uh, like I said, I think the long-term plan would have been RCG. If he can control his game, um, to be depending on he does have something to offer, do I think he deserves his spot? No. Um, do I think that's an impact there of rewarding players that don't deserve it? Yes, and that just seems to be what our New South Wales origin team's all about. But if they were fair dinkum, they wouldn't have picked Lil White 5-8 either. 
Um, look, a few other ones for me, looking at Queensland, I said Queensland last week would win the series 3-0. I don't think they should have picked Walsh. Um, I think he has too many errors in his game for the origin stage still. I think that'll be their undoing. But picking the hammer in the centres over Gagai as well, which was another brain fart for me for them. Um, he's going to get defensively exposed in the centres. I think hopefully Luttrell's the one that lines up against him, which he should be. I think Luttrell will have an absolute field day with him. So, yeah, some strange choices there. And I think that's their biggest weaknesses for both teams. Um, our weakness being we picked a bench player that I don't even know if he's going to play many minutes in, Nico Hines. It seems very much like a waste of time having him there. He should have been at 5'8". And it'll be interesting how Appy goes at Hooker playing the full 80 in a high-intensity game as well, which he hasn't done for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, Chris, with you, your question there, what we were actually told yesterday was Campbell Graham was injured and that was the main reason why he actually got, went out, moved out of the, the New South Wales team. But... We've seen team team list today, and he's in the side, so it's a head scratcher. Uh, personally, I would have had him on the wing. Uh, I know that probably is in the way of Josh Adokar, but for mine, Josh Adokar didn't come back and set the world on fire on the weekend, so it wasn't like he made sure he was a must-select like Tommy Trevojevic did. So I'm with you. I feel like Graham should have been at least on a wing. I don't know if you can – just with how Turbo played, he's just that origin player who steps up when New South Wales need it most, and he's got the runs on the board, and you can't let you can't not have Latrell in the centre um, doing his thing either. Maddie, what did you make of the, the both team selections? Yeah, strange. I, I was half expect they should. They're going about hitting st- uh, pick and stick and loyalty and stuff. I know they had it on another talk show last night, but yeah, Dan Gay guy. I know he's been exposed at centre the last couple of times in in normal rounds, but when he puts on that origin jersey, he's just... Newcastle should make him wear it under his Newcastle jersey. Um, but yeah. switch on the back to Queensland, mate, all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for me, Pango Jr., I don't... He, I, I don't... I think he's just there to take out someone, to be honest. Um, I think he's the Mr. Expendable. We've all seen coaches do it in the past, but... I, I don't even see him seeing out the whole game. I literally think he's just going to go out and get all fired up and someone's going to bait him and he'll end up taking isn't someone's that, Isn't that the concerning reason why to choose him in the first place then? Because let's be honest, if you miss a player for 10 minutes or so in origin or at, at worst, oh, yeah, it could, could, cost you could the game, get a send-off. But... I feel like that could be a real no, big I... loss to I remember I had a conversation with a now retired NRL coach and he used to say to us all the time, if you see someone, a no-name forward named on a bench, they're there for a reason. And I don't know, like, and he always said, whenever you see a team play someone like Andrew Johns or Thurston and there's a no-name forward on the bench, you know what their job's going to be. If the game gets out of control, thing. But yeah, oh, that's the only reason. I, that's the only thing I can say about Pangai Junior. Like, and Ado Car, I think the press, the press had too much of a say in that. I, I think the, it was just based on what he did for Australia. Um, yeah, I maybe. Freddie and his selectors got his their pants pulled down how well he but, played for Australia, not picking for New South Wales. So he was always going to be there. As but, for Campbell Graham as well. You think Campbell Graham had his name already on the back of that jersey till Turbo turned up? Yeah, but yeah. to me, to me, the strange thing was how Matt Burton was never in the equation. Yeah, even though he had, he was almost player of the the series for New South Wales last year. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, he had such a good year last year in Origin. Why wouldn't you just? And especially now that the name Walsh. Those Burton bombs. Well, I, I want to I want to talk about the makeup and the balance of the New South Wales side, but quickly on the Chris's question of the Tedesco over Dylan Edwards, is it a good choice? I think form wise, you'd say it's not a very good choice, um, but it's hard. Is New South Wales really going to drop their captain at the moment? I don't think so. Um, I think it's it'd be a very brave. Fitler, uh, after last year's some of his early mistakes with their team selections, to especially being game one at a neutral venue, and you, I think both teams have named teams that 
go after the game and don't let it come to them and they know they need to put their best foot forward from the start. And I think just having Tedesco there um, as that safety net and to get the boys around each other is probably a must for New South Wales at the moment. Adam, uh, Tedesco or Dylan Edwards for you? I think I've done the right thing by picking Tedesco. Look, he consistently hasn't really had a bad origin game. Um, and for me, it comes down to the thing we spoke about last week as well. Of You wouldn't want to pick too many Penrith players. Well, I believe there's already too many Penrith players in the team. Uh, I know they say you bring your club form across and your combinations, but we saw it in the game we lost in game three last year. If Cleary's off, then it seems like is off and everyone else is off. The whole left side was off because of that. So... I wouldn't put him in there for that reason. I know he can be a game changer, but Teddy on his days is as good as everyone. And like you said, being the captain and stuff, they were never going to drop him, were they? They couldn't even have the balls to drop their 5 eight. They're not going to drop their fullback captain. Yeah, and on this, mate, you did a perfect segue for me there. On the makeup of the spine, so to speak, so you've got Teddy who's underperforming at the moment, which would be of concern for uh, Bradfield, even though he won't come out publicly and say anything about that. You've got Cleary, who hasn't established himself yet for mine as a New South Wales player or a state of origin player. He's, he's sort of, for mine, crumbled in some of those big moments and where he could have really taken charge of the game. Luai, for mine, hasn't been in four more years. He's had one good game two weeks ago, and they've pretty much picked him off that. It's, it's Cleary's team. Cleary, for mine, has had way too much of a say in the Blues makeup and probably Alexander as well, in a way. The hooker for mine's an interesting choice because for mine, Cook has been the front-running hooker for New South Wales all year um, with the way he plays. And I think for a Queensland forward, if you ask all of them, they'd say the most scary factor at the moment would be playing a fresh Damien Cook whose running game is second to none and probably the quickest over 10 metres or so. Coruscant... Does he add that running factor? I don't think so. But what he adds is obviously that ex Penris factor. Um, I feel like that's what's got him over the line because they I said it. he hasn't got the fear factor, does he? You, you've hit the nail on the head, though, about Cleary there. Cleary has had way too much involvement in picking this team. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason that Pengai Jr. We know Pengai Jr. obviously spent the end of the season there at Penrith. Was that a couple of years ago? And he did an absolute awesome job of protecting Cleary when he had to, especially defensively. So it wouldn't surprise me if Cleary has gone ahead and picked the team. But I want to say one thing. It's about players being out of form when it comes to origin. Remember Greg Inglis? I don't know everyone remembers Greg Inglis, mate. He could be having the worst year of his life. would get to origin time. He would stand up. We're seeing Gagai consistently do it. Um, we saw Brett Finch step in and be a hero in an origin game and just play average club football. So... It doesn't really matter how blokes are playing. They get themselves up for these origin games. Well, on the final makeup of the Blues here, Nico Hines obviously being selected on the bench uh, in that utility role. I'm really worried at the moment in terms of how they use him and if they sort of scar him in a way uh, early on with origin, which I've, I've seen us do in the past with some of these players who come off the bench and don't really get to play their normal position or their normal role. Now, they've been there's been talk of him coming on to play hooker because Corso hasn't played 80 minutes, I don't think, yet this year. So that's a concern as well. There's no established second dummy half in the team. So that's a massive risk when you're coming into origin footy. And we all know that fatigue factor steps up another notch. But I don't know where Nico Hines is going to come into this because Isaiah Yeo is an 80-minute lock. He won't come off or, or very rarely does he come off. I, I really got no idea what they're doing with Hines at the moment. I've heard rumours of Luai going to hooker and Hines coming on, um, which would be the most logical option, yeah. I believe. Cam, that's, Cam that's what I heard too. Yeah, I believe Cam Murray can also play a little bit of hooker if need be if they did get a player go down. But, yeah, I agree with you, Joel. It's a strange choice. Um, I feel like Nico Hines needs to be named in the six or not named at all. Yeah. Um, I feel like a number of players would be better 14s and come on and have that impact, that aggression, um, like, you know, and just be stand-up origin players. I love Nico. Um, I love everything he does for the game. But, look, I think it's a waste of time having him at 14. Yeah. Right. And, Matty, got any final say on the New South Wales one-up? No, I, I think Adam hit it on the head then when he said that was my thought as well. Jerome can play hooker. Um, I think he's played there a bit for Penrith in the lower grades before he come up. Um, but, yeah, I think if Appy needs a spell, 
I can see Hines going. What What do you do if we're behind? Hines comes in at five eight. Jerome goes to hooker, and we absolutely blitz it. Do you keep it that way? Game two. That's a question. Uh, I've got, that's a question we can ponder uh, and yeah. get to this time next week, and hopefully we start to answer that question. But quickly on the Queensland lineup, I know personally we don't care too much about it, but we'll try and be professional and neutral as much as we can here. You've already touched on the Ponga Walsh, uh, Adam. I feel like Ponga's injury on the weekend is probably put his line with a, a red mark across it. Uh, I feel like that probably scared Queensland in a way, um, not wanting to take that risk and risk losing uh, a key player early on. So Rich Walsh's form has got him over the line there. Dane Gagar for mine's a massive loss. I feel like if there's one player as a New South Wales fan, you know, just steps up and you just know what you're going to get from him. It's him. Now, Hamaso has been killing it this year at fullback. Center's a different beast. Add to that rep footy, add to that state of origin. He's going up three three stairs basically in one week. And it's a massive ask against probably Latrell. I think it's going to be at this stage. But even if it was against Turbo, with just what we've seen from Turbo at that level as well, it's hard to ask him to keep up with those two to start with. So, Maddie, where are you at with the Queensland lineup? Yeah, I wasn't like I know I know last week we were panicking, but to me, I'm not I'm not worried anymore. Um, I think I don't know whether the event leading up and that will get to Walsh being a rookie um, and his first first game, whether he'll step up. Um, yeah, Gagor, he's a massive loss for them. Um, but in saying that, they're still going to have Valentine Holmes, which he'll get an intercept for sure. He, every every series, he gets a length of the field intercept. Like, um, I think there's going to be a few more twists along the way. Um, we talked about it last week with Papa Lee retiring. So, that's made way for someone else to come in. But, yeah, I I think both teams are strong. But, yeah, I, I wasn't as worried as I was last year looking at some of those selections. If Ponga was in there and Gagor, I'd be I'd be panicking. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, the Ponga, the duty of care, I think Slater rang him saying it. Um, but, yeah, he'll... Which makes you wonder about Newcastle now, because you can he'll he'll go out with a point proof yeah, for yeah, the next the game. Other, the, the other interesting one there is no Capewell either, so that was a bit of an interesting one uh, in the edge. But feet has been killing it, so that's uh, not a massive loss there. Because Cape, Capewell doesn't play for Penrith anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, we'll look at uh, just a quick tongue-in-cheek comment here, Adam. And question for you: Queensland is like the two hookers. Is that necessarily – is that not the right way to go? No, it's smart because looking at their bench, um, they've got us covered on the bench big time. Like their bench of Harry Grant, Tino, plays big minutes for the Gold Coast starting in the front row. He's their captain, isn't he, Tino? So um, Ruben Cotter has been killing it for the Cowboys, pretty much playing 80 minutes a lock, and Jai Arrow killing it for South Sydney as well with big minutes. Um, the bench is where they get us. Look, Harry Grant will have more of an impact at 14 and then obviously Nico Hines will at 14. Um, bring him on, bringing a, you know, obviously 80-minute hooker for Melbourne to come on and do a small job there is an excellent move. Um, look, if you want to talk about their downfall, I've already mentioned it, but I think the hammer will get exposed in the centres. But, yeah, I don't know. Look, I was probably saying as Matt, I was probably saying Queensland 3-0 last week. It's actually pretty hard to pick. I don't know which way it's going to go, but... They got some big outs as well. Obviously, with Kafusi and experience there and a young forward pack, but uh, they just seem fitter, fitter and bigger and more keen in that forward pack of theirs. I feel like they start. They should be starting slightly favourites um, for this series. The Queenslands, I really like, especially that as you said, that bench and just the spine players are sort of um, there basically and done done it before, stepped up to that level, know what to do. Last bit of our podcast, guys, we like to finish on trying to make people some money. Please gamble responsibly. Bet with your head, not over. I think I'm supposed to be saying. So 
um, do all the legalities, get them out of the way. We haven't got one yet. We were close with a few over the last few weeks, but I'll kick us kick us off my one. I've got the Dolphins one to twelve. Um, I've got the Cowboys with the fourteen and a half start. Um, I think they were bound to be Paris forward pack. They got quite a few out. They could become a bit more even than the bookies are making that game. Um, the Warriors to win one to twelve. And I think Cody Walker will step up in Latrell's absence to score a try anytime try scorer. If you chuck your barn, your power price, increase the odds on that one with Sportsbet, you're going to get $47.59. So, gamble responsibly, put a lazy fiver on it if you can afford it, and you should be eating something other than me grang noodles for the week. Matty? Yeah, so I've gone Eels 13+. plus. I've got Warriors 13 plus. I've got Canberra one and a half um, at the line, and I've got Newcastle 13 plus. Power play is $22.21. Oh, look out. Lobster Mornay for dinner if you use Sunday. Adam, get us home. Yeah, look, I've obviously a bit less to choose from with only the five games. I've just gone a 13 plus multi game. I went so close, so I got cheated by referees a couple of weeks ago. But. <laughs> Gone Dolphins 13 plus, Parramatta 13 plus. I've gone the Knights 13 plus against a Manly team with half of their spine out. Um, the Warriors 13 plus playing obviously Brisbane over there with players out in New Zealand. And this is the risky one because South Sydney obviously have no Latrell, uh, Jai Arrow, Cam Murray. But I've gone South Sydney 13 plus against Canberra as well. I think Canberra's really going to miss Hudson Young and everything he does for him. Oh, that's all good. That's all um, good. Uh, that's probably only going to get you about $3. $158 to power play. Um, <laughs> the power play is 100 So put $5 on that and you'll be laughing your way to the bank. That's all we've got time for, guys. Thanks. I know it's the first one. Um, hard to get the word out there, but appreciate everyone who's come on, asked some questions. Given three of us odd-looking characters a listen um, and your time for a Wednesday, after, oh, Wednesday night, if you're a Para fan, please go over to Talking Para Podcast now and have a listen to the next show that we'll all be featuring on live on all, all things Parramatta. If you like the content, please make sure you like, subscribe, League of Inches on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify podcasts in the works of doing iTunes podcasts as well. But enjoy your Wednesday night. I really appreciate you all coming on. Maddie, Adam, I'll see you guys in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Have a good Tuesday, guys. Have a good Tuesday. Have a good Tuesday, guys. Yeah, sorry, Wednesday, guys. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.